Welcome to the Natalie Creates Podcast, creating your best life one step at a time. I'm your host, Natalie Freeman, lifestyle blogger and business owner of almost 10 years. Join me here for conversations with entrepreneurs and personal development leaders about business growth, mental health, relationships, and more. Are you ready to take the next step towards your best life? Let's get started. If you like what you hear today, please leave a review and share this podcast on Instagram. Simply take a screenshot, share on stories, and tag me at Natalie Creates so I can thank you for your support. In light of COVID-19, we thought it would be super important to take some time and really talk to you guys about money and budgeting. We realize it's really hard for some people right now um, with the anxiety and worry of not being sure where their next paycheck is going to come from. So we wanted to take some time and really talk to you guys about our money story, how we budget, the nuts and bolts of what we use to make that happen and our goals for the future. Please join me and my husband, Luke Freeman, as we share all of this on today's episode. This episode is sponsored by One Canoe Two, a women-owned and operated stationery company that is close to my heart. These ladies create products with meaning, intention, and of course, incredible beauty. One Canoe Two's hand-painted calendars, planners, and best-selling greeting cards are some of my absolute favorites. And you guys should check out their incredible carry-all tote bag collection. You can get the goods at onecanoe2.com. That's one the number, canoe like a boat, to the number.com and use discount code Natalie Creates for free shipping off any order. Hello, friends. Today we are going to talk about money. And today I have my husband with me, Luke Freeman. Hey there. And we just thought in light of COVID-19, there is a lot of worry, anxiety, um, those type of feelings surrounding um, job loss, job insecurity, what's next. Um, We have been married for over 10 years. And since the very beginning, we have always budgeted. And so we really want to keep in mind um, what that looks like and um, how we've done that over the past 10 years. And what kind of goals we have for moving forward. Yeah, and we just thought it'd be helpful for us to take the opportunity to share a little bit about kind of our journey with budgeting and saving money. Uh, We felt like it was just a very relevant topic right now as a lot of people are looking at financial insecurity and like Natalie said, potential job loss. So we just hope this is helpful for us to share with you guys how how we budget, how we save money, how we prioritize those things in our life. Okay, Luke, let's talk about our money story. Do you want to start out with how you grew up with money? Yeah, yeah. Um, so the story that comes to mind is when Natalie and I uh, just started dating. And we were <laughs> talking about this, money and, and budgeting and how much we spent on things. And I showed her a little, like a journal. It's like a Moleskine journal that I used to track my spending in college. I mean, because at this point, uh, I was either 18 or 19. I mean, you know, we were young, young and in love. And I was showing Natalie how I had spent, it's like $20 that year on clothes. Oh, don't get it twisted. It was $10 on I had, money for the entire year. Like, this is my clothing budget for the year, $10. I had to buy a winter jacket at the thrift store. <laughs> 
was this influenced uh, by your family? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I just use that story to illustrate how um, I, I think, you know, for me growing up, a lot of the emphasis um, was on just not spending money. You know, we didn't buy a lot of things growing up. You know, I didn't have like a video game console. We didn't have cable. Um, we rarely, rarely went out to eat. Um, and I think through that, I learned a lot about what I didn't need. Um, but for me, like budgeting was just not spending money. Like, <laughs> I feel like we've we've become much more nuanced and in terms of being able to spend money on things we value. But <laughs> just beginning... Uh, for me, it was just like being completely frugal and hardly spending money on anything at all. Um, and so I've I've grown a lot from that. And I think kind of grown out of more of a scarcity mindset and um, growing into a bit of a an abundance mindset. But still, I think my instinct and what I brought into the relationship was um, being able to not spend money on things or feeling like we could we could make do with less and that we didn't we didn't need a whole lot to be happy. Yeah, and I brought to the table a completely different experience. Um, my family and my parents, they loved my brother and I so much, but there was a lot of pain surrounding money. Um, my parents didn't necessarily know how to budget, and um, a lot of times we would spend too much and then not have enough for bills and things like that. So whenever I went to college, um, I didn't really think about student debt because, um, you know, you just spent and you didn't really think about the future. And so I brought to the relationship well over $60,000 worth of student debt from just a bachelor's degree. It might've even been more. And so um, I didn't ever live by a budget. I didn't even know what it meant to budget. I didn't know how to create a budget, but I did know that my past was not going to be my future. And so whenever Luke and I started dating and whenever we um, got engaged, I truly leaned on him for that support. And I knew that he would be able to help me kind of figure out a way to have a healthier relationship with budgeting. And so that has really been one of our strongest areas of our relationship is really being able to figure out what does it look like for Luke, who didn't spend money at all? And what does it look like for me, who family spent way too much money that they didn't have, how do we bring that together and kind of balance out our upbringings and what we want our future to look like? Yeah, I think one thing that really helped us early on in our relationship was that, I mean, we got married in college. Mm -hmm. um, we were 19 and 20. So yeah. we were, we had just finished up our sophomore year of college. Mm -hmm. Right. So we finished two years of college together as a married couple. And, you know, we had to pay rent, pay bills, uh, buy groceries. And we were both working part-time jobs, ac actually at the same bakery. And so we just had to get by on very little. And um, that's just how it was. And I think for us, we've always had to be intentional about money because there just wasn't a lot and we had to make it stretch. And I do think there was a lot we had to work through in terms of kind of what we prioritized and what we um, felt like it was important to spend money on. Right, and, and that was I, definitely a journey of growth 
for us. Right. Because I think that if you're starting out now, having been married for 20 years or you're just about to get married, you're going to have to figure out what it looks like for your family and what you value. Right. And I think it just all comes down to priorities. And I think, um, well, I'll just provide another illustration. I mean, you know, I'm talking about how frugal I was in college, but at the same time, I mean, I would drop serious money on like organic groceries (laughs) (laughs) at the grocery store. I mean, I remember... And this was when I think we were engaged at this point. We were engaged. And, uh, you know, I was doing my weekly grocery shopping and, you know, needed some vanilla extract for something I was baking. And, you know, I felt compelled to buy the the organic fair trade vanilla, which the was... The most how much expensive fair trade vanilla. It was $13, like $13 for bucks. the smallest bottle available. <laughs> and Natalie could not believe it. And I was just thinking, well, I mean, of course I need the organic fair trade vanilla. Right. Because I care. (laughs) So I I think I just wanted to point out that it's not like I didn't spend money. It's just I was fine with wearing thrift store clothes. But I mean, for me at the time, you know, really being able to prioritize high quality food and shopping organic and fair trade and local, that kind of aligned with my value system at the time. But, you know, Natalie's value system at the time looked a little different, you know. And so I think, you know, for anyone, you know, joining two people's finances, it's like, okay, if you have two different value systems, where do you find the common ground and commonality? And and how do you each give a little bit to kind of meet in the middle? Yeah, I think those are some really good points. And, you know, we're talking about budgeting over the past decade of marriage, but the reality is, is that when we were in college, of course, we didn't have a lot of money, but even when we got out of college in those next five years, we did not make more than $40,000 collectively. That's like both of us working full time. We did not make over $40,000 a year. Yeah. I mean, because I was working for nonprofits and then the university doing sustainable agriculture work. Natalie was an AmeriCorps service member for a while and then working for nonprofits. And we just never made a, mu- a lot, but we... We still saved. We still saved. We made it work. There have been periods of time when we've had balances on credit cards. I remember when, when we both graduated and moved to Fort Smith and got our garden started and we're moving into a new house. I ended up putting a lot of like Lowe's expenses on a credit card that we had to pay off over several months. And that was that was a learning experience for me. Just, and that was a huge conversation yeah, for us. Yeah, it was, it was really big because, you know, I felt like I now had a salary job so we could afford all these things. But, but and really, it was a huge trigger for me because of owing that money that we couldn't immediately pay back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... You know, we've we've learned, we've made mistakes for sure. Uh, but I mean, we do feel like we've we've figured out how to make money work for us, and just really want to share that with you guys. Right, because I think that this conversation is so important. Because I think one of the things that I find most calming during this time is knowing where we stand financially. Um, I believe that there is so much freedom that comes from living within our means. And so there is so much security in having an emergency savings account for times like these, like COVID-19, when we don't know if the store is going to bring in enough revenue for our family and our employees. 
is there a possibility that we could cut our pay in half to be able to pay our employees? What does that look like? That looks like having an emergency fund that allows us to do that. Yeah, and it just provides so much security, like Natalie was saying, being able to look at our emergency savings and say, okay, we could make it two months, you know, tightening our belts if we weren't bringing any income in to have that kind of emergency savings to fall back on. Now, you know, naturally it it could be more. Um, I'm not saying we have the biggest emergency savings in the world, but just to know you have that money set aside for hard times. You know, during times like these, it just really hits home how important that is. And, you know, we haven't always had it. And I remember there have been times in our lives when I've thought, if something happens to one of our cars, we're just going to have to put that, you know, mechanic bill on a credit card right. and pay it off in monthly installments because we do not have any kind of emergency savings to fall back on. And it just gives us peace to know if something catastrophic happens within reason, you know, we we have something to fall back on. And I think that just, it, it, it takes some stress out of relationship. You know, people say that it's like money and sex is what couples always fight about. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I feel like we've, we still do have arguments about money occasionally, but I feel like we've been working towards a point where it's it's less of a stressor and more of a point of, of security. And I think one of the biggest things is just having that emergency savings and also being able to work towards savings goals that we've agreed on. Right, because I think we've learned a lot from those situations where we put the Lowe's expenses on a credit card that we couldn't you know, pay back. And we got into a situation where we were sharing a vehicle because we couldn't afford to buy a second one. I think that that has allowed us to really um, see the importance of savings. And I think for a lot of people around the world, and especially Americans, we're going to start evaluating our frivolous spending habits to make them more in line with like our long term goals. Um, I think one of the biggest learning lessons that we have found to be is like what you were talking about earlier, figuring out what our family values are. So for us, we travel a lot. We try to take at least three large trips a year. Of course, when we first got married, it did not look like that. We have really (laughs) adjusted our values based on how much we make. Mm -hmm. So like when we, um, we're in college. I remember one spring break, we took the train from Missouri to Chicago. Yeah. And I can't even remember where we stayed. Yeah, in a hotel in Chicago. I remember my mom gave us points to be able to stay in a hotel. Okay. That was the first time we had ever stayed in a hotel. Before that, we had stayed with friends because we could never have afforded a hotel. Right. Yeah. And on our honeymoon, we stayed in a cabin. Right. That my aunt paid for. Okay. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, you know, our travel, travel has always been a huge part of our family, but the reality is, is it's looked different over the years. So if you're listening to this and you're saying, um, you know, we don't have enough money to make ends meet, please stay with us because I think that we're going to share with you guys an evolution of our spending an evolution of our values as a family. Another one that we real another priority that we have is eating out. Um, 
we really do love to cook at home, but we also have an incredible restaurant scene in Northwest Arkansas. And so we are often finding ourselves eating, you know, out at least once or twice a week. And that's something where that's changed as our business has grown and, you know, Natalie's had to spend more time in the store or working on the business. That's very true. And, you know, her having less time to cook meals at home. And I will say, just for everyone who's listening, Luke can also cook. But up until about two weeks ago, he was working for his full-time job. And then in addition to that, doing work for Freckled Hen at home in the evenings. So he was realistically putting in 60 plus hours of work. We also kind of have an agreement in our family that if you cook, the other person cleans. Except when Luke cooks. (laughs) Yes. Except when Luke cooks, Luke also cleans. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little one-sided, but that's okay. (laughs) But in reality, we do definitely share the workload. And so um, eating out has just been a natural part of our building of a business. It's just the simple fact of I go to work at 8 a.m. in the morning. I'm home by 5. I'm exhausted. We'd rather eat something out. Right. Yeah. And we've adjusted our budget to to fit that. We, We can get to this later, but kind of tweak the budget so that we realize, okay, we're spending a little less on groceries than we used to, but we're spending more money eating out. So let's adjust for that. But, you know, like what Natalie was saying, I feel like over the years, we've come to identify like these three areas that we really value and we feel like it's worth spending money on. And that's travel, eating out and experiences. And maybe I'll add a fourth one, which is home projects. Yes. Yeah, that, that that's definitely a high priority for us. And so... We love to have a comfortable home. And it's not extravagant. No. But we love to host people. We love to have a space that reflects who we are as people. And so we've really designed our budget around those like spending categories so that we are, we're saving, like we're actively saving for our vacations. We have a kind of like a home project savings that we put money into. And Natalie's just so good at being able to, you know, sell things we're not using, um, have yard sales, you know, sell clothes on on Instagram so that we can piece together money to go towards home projects or vacation. And so in recognizing, you know, these areas of spending that we really value, what that has allowed us to do is then like really cut back as as much as we can in other categories. Um, for example, you know, keeping our grocery bill as as lean as we can, you know, and that's something Natalie's been really good at. You know, I mentioned I was the kind of guy who spent, you know, 12 bucks on a bottle of vanilla. We definitely don't spend money like that on groceries. And instead, you know, we go to Aldi and Walmart and, you know, eat high quality food. And Natalie um, is really good at preparing nutritious and delicious meals, but we we really do try to minimize that grocery budget because it's something within our control. And then also in terms of the vehicles we drive, we both drive vehicles from 2004. Um, (laughs) Right. You know, use vehicles that we don't have a payment on, they're paid off. All three of our vehicles are paid off. Yeah. So we don't don't have auto payments um, because for us, we'd rather drive old cars, but get to Go to Mexico once a year on vacation. And see the world. And see the world. So I think Luke's point of sharing all of this with you is to say, this looks completely different for everyone. And I will even say, I think it can look different 
And your goals can be totally different than your partner's. Your goals can be totally different than your child's. But I think really coming together as a family and saying, let's sit down, let's like actually take time to evaluate what is important to us as individuals, and then how can we bring those goals together? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's something that might be worth just sitting down and having a conversation you know, with your spouse or with your family and say, you know, what, what is important to us? What, what gives our life meaning? You know, what is worth spending money on? What we're really not trying to communicate is that you have to penny pinch everything and put all your money into a retirement account, you know, that you won't be able to access until you're 65. You know, we're really not about deferring joy, deferring living until you retire. I think that I'm going to say this. I think that might be a difference between us and like Dave Ramsey followers. Yeah. Yeah. Quite possibly. And if, hey, it, and if, if that's how you want to roll, if you, awesome. if you really want to kind of defer certain experiences until you retire and live big, that's totally fine. Or you're into, you know, fire, financial independence, retire early one of those folks, Mm -hmm. that's totally fine. We're really not judging. We're just saying, for us, this is how we want to live our life. Um, We really want to take advantage of of our youth. You know, the fact that we're two people married in our 30s, we're healthy. We want to experience the world. We don't have children. So we have a lot of freedom. And so we we want our spending and our saving to reflect that. But really, like Natalie said, it's about finding out what you value as a family, as a couple, and just fitting your your budget and your spending categories around that. Yeah, and I think, you know, once you define what your values are as a family, then you're figuring out a way to put money away for big goals. Like for us, it's building our own house, having a child. We want to make sure that we have enough money to be able to pay off that hospital bill in cash um, and making that incremental progress towards those goals. Yeah, and that was a really big thing for us. Kind of once we had got our emergency savings to where we wanted it to be, um, which, you know, at the time for us was, you know, covering a full month of living expenses. Then we felt like we were able to start putting money away towards these, these bigger goals. Um, I mean, the first one was money for an eventual child, just making sure we had the savings to cover the medical expenses and hospital bills to have a kid just so that, you know, a, a kid could happen. We're not actively working towards it right now, but we know it can happen and we don't want that to be a financial hardship for us. So putting money aside for that was really important. And then we love our house, but we have a dream of being able to build our own house one day. And so that's another savings account where we're slowly putting money into to to build up that savings, to be able to to put money towards, you know, building that uh, custom house that we dream of. So that's also really important. Um, seeing seeing the the savings in those accounts increase, feeling like every month we're getting closer to those goals, even if it's just, if it's just incrementally. Um, knowing that you know we're we're balancing living in the moment, living for today, like having a great life, but also thinking about our future and our future goals oh. and actively working towards that. Luke, that's good. That's good. Okay, so one of the things that I want to share with you guys is the fact that this all sounds really great in theory, but like, how do we put that into practice? 
I thought that we could talk about that. I always want to be able to offer you guys tangible tools for putting some of these thoughts into practice. So the way that we started out is not necessarily the way that we budget now. And I think that that's key because your budget can evolve with your family and it can also change with your season of life. So when we first started budgeting, we had a cash envelope system. Literally what I would do is I would go to the bank every month and take out the you know, $600, $800 in cash. And Natalie had a, a really cute, um, you just described what it is. It was a wallet. It was actually made on Etsy by Miss Moneybags. I'm not sure if she still is around because this was literally like eight or 10 years ago. Yeah, um, 2008. But it had like little sewn in envelopes in the wallet. And so I had an envelope for groceries. I had an envelope for my allowance. I had an envelope for clothing and so on. Yeah. And this this really worked for us because I was the one kind of managing the budget and tracking spending. But Natalie was the one going grocery shopping and, you know, buying those home supplies. And the thing I love about a cash budget, you know, as as difficult as it can be to have to take out the cash and divide it out and pay cash for everything, is that it provided that communication. Natalie could see how much money we had left in each category because it was cash in her wallet. Um, and she could see when we were getting low and she could adjust spending based on that. I think for any budget system, the most important thing is ensuring that you have open and regular like communication and sharing of information between the person who's managing the budget and anyone who's responsible for spending. And with the cash, it's very obvious because when the cash is gone, you're done with that budget category for the month. Right. In our cash budget system, I mean, y'all, our categories were small. Like, for example, our allowance was $25 <laughs> a month. Yes, that's what it Prepare was. Prepare your hearts. $25 a month. For allowance. So <laughs> if you wanted to go get a coffee and you spent $5, you've got $20 left for the month. One coffee a week. <laughs> right. Or if you wanted to go out with your girlfriends, you better eat the house sa- side salad because mama can't afford much else. So that is kind of what we were Um, starting out as, and there is no shame in that because guys, it has led us to where we are now. Um, We feel much more secure because we were able to create a foundation of budgeting when we made very little money. So that cash budget system and those cash envelopes were literally vital. And I think what is interesting about the cash envelope system is that it prepared us and kind of set a foundation for what we would do next. We kind of had that discipline in place. We did that for several years. Um, But then we started to kind of realize that our seasons of life were changing. We had a little bit more flexibility and expendable income. So we kind of moved on to like more of a spreadsheet where we were able to kind of track our spending with cards. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the cash budget just got to where it was really burdensome. I mean, I would have to make it a point to go to the bank and get out the cash. And sometimes I'd be a week late and Natalie would be waiting for the cash and would need to be buying groceries, but I wouldn't have given her the cash yet. Um, And then also just, you know, if you're at the grocery store, maybe part of what's in your cart is groceries and part of what's in your cart are like home supplies or clothes, then you have to pay separately and do cash for each one. And, you know, it worked great for us 
like Natalie was saying, for a few years in college, but then we definitely outgrew it, but felt ready to to do something that was a little more electronic. And so we transitioned into using spreadsheets, like Natalie was saying, to design the budget to look at, okay, what's our what's our monthly income? What are our monthly bills? And then what are some budget categories that we have control over? And how can we kind of cap those so that we have that money left over for savings? Um, so we would design that in, in a spreadsheet. And I, for a while, I was just tracking everything in a spreadsheet, which, I mean, that was pretty time intensive on my part. Um, and then I found an app called Mint. Some of you might be using Mint for, for budgeting. I think it's a fantastic app. You know, it works if, if all of your transactions are on credit cards and debit cards, they're all electronic you know, Mint can sync with your bank accounts and you can categorize your spending categories either on your phone or on your computer. You um, can share it with others in your family. Yeah, and multiple people have access. Um, so everyone can can see where you're at um, on the budget, up to date in real time. We were using spreadsheets and Mint. And then that kind of led us to where we are today, which is I use Quicken, which to me just gives me a little more control and it can be a little more kind of detailed than meant. Um, But it's essentially the same thing where if if anything changes in our lives, like kind of our income changes, um, you know, which just happened with me cutting down to to part time and remote work with my with my day job and um, being able to spend more time working on the business, we'll sit down and we'll we'll come up with a kind of a big picture budget in a spreadsheet. So, you know, that's where we're looking at the monthly income. Um, We've started doing it. So we look at our income first, and then we look at savings for retirement. So we try to uh, keep that at 10% of our income is going towards retirement accounts. Then we look at our savings goals. And this has also been kind of an evolution in our thinking where we're prioritizing savings first, and then looking at okay, what do we have left for these expense categories that we can control? And right now we're saving about 20% total of our income towards retirement and savings. Our goal for this year is to increase that to 30% because of just COVID-19 and recognizing there are going to be hard times. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, when we're, we're planning out our budget, after we look at our savings goals, we'll then put in what you could call our fixed costs. So these are like bills we can't control, like our mortgage, um, utilities, we're, we're still making payments on student loans. So that goes in there. Let's first talk about that for just a second. I don't mean to interrupt you. No, go ahead. But if you notice, we're still paying off our student debt. We've done a lot of work to kind of minimize that payment. Um extra income that we have, we will put towards paying off our student debt. But one of the things we've noticed is that one of our values as a family is being able to travel before we have kids. Based on our income, that literally would have been impossible to go and travel as well as pay off student debt. So we are deciding to continue to pay our student debt, pay off you know, with extra payments as much as we can while saving more towards travel, towards building a house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we have friends who 
you know, worked really hard the first few years of marriage to to pay off all their student debt. And that's incredible. You know, and I, I have so much respect for that. Yeah. Um, I think that's incredibly admirable. That just wasn't our story. And for us, our student debt was just so, so large and intimidating. And with the money we were making as young college students, newly married, um, and then also freshly out of college, it just wasn't realistic for us to tighten our belts and pay off student debt before spending money on other things. So it's something we've we've lived with. We see it as a bill. We manage it as a bill. And mm-hmm. we've been able to, to do things like consolidate payments to reduce our monthly payment and, you know, reduce interest rates. And, you know, we try to be wise with it, but but it's a bill for us. It's, it's like our mortgage. It's what we live with. It's, and, and you know, some people talk about debt like a ball and chain. We really don't see it like that. And we don't have a ton of debt. Um, we are very wise about thinking before we make a big purchase. And a lot of times, especially right now, we're paying for things with cash. So two days before COVID-19 really started to hit, we paid for a pre-used camper with cash. It's kind of painful to look back on that now because we really couldn't afford or we really couldn't predict the future, but we could still afford that because we paid for it with cash. Like we said before, our cars are paid in cash um, and we just paid, you know, we never had a payment for those. And so our debt that we have is really our mortgage and our student debt. Yeah. And we'll talk more about credit cards because we love uh, our travel rewards credit cards, but we do not carry a balance on our credit cards. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing where, you know, we don't have that payment. Um, so we can live with a student loan payment. So anyway, just kind of getting back to how we do the budget. So, you know, t- start with income, then look at your savings goals, both investments, and then um, like emergency savings, vacation savings. And then we look at, you know, those fixed costs, like what are our bills that we can't change? And those those bills, those fixed costs are, for us, it's like, between 40 and 50% of our income. And then after that, we get into like the budget categories, um, which makes up about 30% of our of our income goes to those costs, which you could call them variable costs, but there are budget categories that we track and we, we cap. So, you know, we have like groceries and eating out, which we, we've combined. Uh, we have gifts, we have home supplies, and personal care, and then we each get an allowance. And at this point, we've been able to increase our allowance to $120 a month <laughs> per person. <laughs> um, but, you know, that that is really important to us as well. I want to yeah, talk a minute about the allowance. And, you know, this is something you have to figure out what's right for you. But before we did that, you know, there would be expenses that Natalie would would spend that I might not agree with. And it kind of felt personal because it was like Natalie is spending our money that could be going towards savings or could be going towards groceries to have lunch with a friend or buy coffee. And I found it difficult because you were also spending money, but you didn't have to answer to anyone. Yeah, yeah. Because with me, you know, being a budget guy, I'm categorizing things. It's like, I'm kind of accountable to myself, so I can be a little easy on myself. <laughs> but, you know, I'm tracking all the spending Natalie's doing, and so she's answerable to me. And, you know, sometimes I can be a bit of a jerk about it. I've, I've got to admit that. 
<laughs> not always the nicest person. Um, but, you know, having having that allowance just builds in that freedom. It's like, this is guilt-free spending on both of our parts. Natalie doesn't have to ask me about, you know, what she's spending her allowance money on. I can go buy that sweater if I want to. She can buy anything. She could buy lottery tickets. I don't care because it's her allowance, you know? Um, and I think that's that's important to to have, you know, those portions of spending, like as an individual where you don't necessarily have to answer to anybody about it and you don't have to share the same priorities, mm-hmm. you know? And for us, that makes up a pretty small amount of our budget every month. For other people, it might need to be larger. You know, one thing we recently did, which has been working out so far, is we we killed the clothing budget and instead we split that up into allowance. Um, so I actually misspoke. Natalie gets more of an allowance than I do. I get 120, she gets 220 because it's just the realization of there are certain spending categories that fall under her allowance that just she needs more money for. And, you know, clothing is one of those. We just know that Natalie needs to spend more money on clothing every year than I do. I recognize that that's fine. I don't feel like that's unfair. And, you know, also when it comes to, um, you know, beauty supplies, makeup, things like that. There are expenses that, that Natalie has that that goes into her allowance. So we've kind of factored that in. It seems to be working so far. Yeah. And some of that extra income that I get from allowance, that extra $100 that Luke doesn't get, Oftentimes when I don't spend that, I find real reward in putting it in this jar that I have. Yeah, Natalie's an amazing saver, honestly. So I just save in like the squirreliest of ways. (laughs) (laughs) So um, a lot of times like I want to have that shirt and I may buy it. But then other times I'm like, I want that shirt, but I'd rather have a frozen margarita on the beach on our next vacation. So I will actually put the cash that I would get from my allowance in this jar. Last time we went on a trip, I had over $2,500 in this jar. That's amazing. I don't know. I don't know where this money comes from. It's a lot of from like selling things on Facebook Marketplace. I will also like have a yard sale. Um, I'm a big believer. I think it's just the way that I grew up in, you know, if you want to go on that trip, honey, you better find ways to make it happen. Yeah. And so I will put money into this jar and then we don't have to pull from vacation, our vacation savings and things like that. So when we went to Costa Rica recently, and we'll talk a little bit about this, we no longer pay for flights. All of our flights are free because we use our credit card points from expenses from the business, which is unique to our family. And you guys can kind of make it work personally if you don't have a business, but we were able to fly for free. Then out of our travel savings account, we paid for our VRBO. And then um, we then use cash to pay for all of the extra expenses like food, surfing, going fishing, things like that. And it came from that jar of savings that I had met, <laughs> that I had created over time from selling things and saving my allowance. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. Um, but one thing I want to touch on is the fact that while we are not doing the cash budget system anymore, which 
um, kind of lets us know in real time how much money we have left, we are still checking in with each other very regularly. Um, twice a month, we have budget meetings. Um, we start off by talking about our business finances because that is very important. Um, we're always being aware of like how much money we've spent, how much money we have in savings, things like that. But then we also talk about personal finances. Yeah, and I think this is maybe the second most important takeaway when it comes to thinking about personal finances and budgeting is having those regular budget meetings, finance meetings. I think, you know, the most important thing first is to to think about your values and get on the same page about, you know, your spending and savings goals. But then secondly, it's that check-in. And for us, twice a month is really the sweet spot because... I'm tracking the budget categories and Quicken. And, you know, Natalie's the one spending money on groceries and other expenses. And so she needs to hear from me where we're at in real time in terms of spending in those budget categories. And if we don't have that check-in, there's almost no point in having budget categories. Because if Natalie doesn't know where we're at, she's spending money like we're fine, but we've actually overspent groceries she has no idea. You know, that's just a breakdown in the system. Yeah. And a lot of my friends and I have talked about budget meetings and they're like, Natalie, why do you enjoy those? Ours always end in tears. We always end up fighting. And I do believe it goes back to the point of you don't have aligned values. Yeah, yeah. Um, because one person really feels the need to buy a new wardrobe, which yeah, we always want it. We want to feel good in the clothing that we're wearing. And the other person doesn't find that valuable and they would rather save towards a new car or something like that. And so I think like the key is you really have to do the work on the front end of defining what that looks like for your family and your partnership. And then those monthly meetings are just an, an opportunity to really be able to connect as a couple and as a family. Um, and so for us, we kind of treat it as like a date. Oh, yeah. It's like a date day. We have a lot like of a lunch fun date. with it. And I'm not saying we don't have hard conversations over Quicken. We do. Um, but we always kind of feel like we're on the same page because we did that upfront work. Yeah, honestly... I leave our budget meetings feeling closer mm-hmm. to Natalie because we're able to connect over something, we're getting on the same page, and then we're like collectively making a decision in terms of either how we're going to pay off this new bill or unexpected expense. We're making that decision together, we're in agreement, and that just feels really good as a married couple. It just feels like okay, we're in this together, we're like working towards our goals together, we're making these difficult decisions together. Sometimes there is disagreement, but I would say like 90% of the time, we leave the budget meeting like feeling better about life, feeling better about our relationship. And I think it is like Natalie said, because we have over time figured out how to align our values, align our priorities, We've agreed on that. And it's it's almost like we've set, it's like we've set that destination. Like we know where we want to go as a couple. Mm-hmm. And there are some decisions like, are we going to turn left here or turn right here mm-hmm. that we need to talk about and make that decision together. But we know where we're going. Like we're going to the same place and we know we're going to get there. 
You know what I mean? And that totally know what you mean. That that is just that's so important. And so, budget meetings are great. I yeah. love them. Um, and also just for me and you know whoever's listening, if you're the person who's managing the budget and tracking your spending, you know it gives you a deadline and it makes you accountable to someone else so that you're actually doing the work. Because I know that if we didn't have our budget meetings, I would put off categorizing our expenses until like the end of the month or until our next budget meeting. Uh, You know, having them twice a month is really good because then it only gives me like two weeks of categorizing to catch up on. It gives me a deadline. It makes me accountable to someone. It just makes sure I'm keeping up with it. Right. And not having a budget meeting at all means you're really not accountable to anything at all. And you don't know where you stand financially. Yeah. And you're kind of flying blind. Right. You know, if you don't have those regular regular check-ins. Right. So I always leave, like you said, you leave closer to me and I do feel that way. I leave feeling free mm. um, because of my financial childhood upbringing. Um, I feel a lot of freedom just um, in the fact that I've made choices that allow me to pay my bills on time. And that just means a lot to me. And so being able to have that time together, it really kind of refocuses you as a family and it kind of um, helps you to really see what's important for you. And for me, that is having financial security. Definitely. Having financial security and then also making progress towards goals. And I think like the two of us, we tend to balance out those priorities. I feel like a lot of times when we get... Maybe, um, you know, a paycheck that we weren't expecting, a bonus, you know, some inflow of money that we didn't necessarily budget for, you know, which is amazing. But there can honestly be some disagreement in terms of how that's spent. Mm -hmm. You know, are we going to spend that on something for the house now? Are we going to put it in the vacation savings? Are we going to put it in long-term savings? And I feel like a lot of times we're having to come to compromises on those decisions. Like, you know, Natalie really wants to spend it on house projects and put it into vacation savings. And I'm saying, you know, can we put some of it in our home savings, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a more long-term savings. and emergency savings. and emergency. That's kind of where I'm oriented. I tend to focus on those categories and we can talk through it and come to an agreement, like reach a compromise, meet in the middle. And that just feels good, you know, because mm-hmm. we're kind of, Maybe we're not putting as much into any one category as one of us would like, but we're making progress towards our goals together. Yeah. So I want to share a couple of tips um, for savings. Like say you are wanting to try out this or you're curious about some of the things that we've learned along the way. I will start off by saying we have learned to save first. Over the past 10 years, we have realized that a month will go by and we were not as disciplined as we wanted to be when it came to our budget categories. And so we ended up not putting any money whatsoever into savings, even though we had the best of intentions. Yeah. And so now we save first. That looks like being able to evaluate how much money we're pulling in that month. And then we literally take 10% of that and we put it into retirement. And then we take another 10% of that and we put it into savings. 
Yeah, and just getting into the nuts and bolts of that, I mean, I got smart and set up an auto transfer from our checking account to our savings account. So every month, whether or not I remember or I forget about it, that money is going into our emergency savings account. And if I need to change it, either put in more or, you know, something unexpected happened and we need to put in less, I can always take money out of emergency savings. But I know every single month that money is going into savings. Mm -hmm. And yeah, with retirement, you know, it's easy if you have a paycheck because you can just have, you know, your your retirement contribution come out of your your paycheck. But, you know, for Natalie, being self-employed, we have to do that ourselves. But I was able to set up an auto transfer into her her IRA account so that that retirement savings is happening automatically. And I think you know, this is probably the third most important tip is like automate these things as much as you can Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to make that decision every month. Like you decide upfront, you know, this is how much we're putting into emergency savings every month. This is how much we can. It's a safe amount. Our budget allows it. If we meet our budget goals, this is what we can do. And then set up that auto transfer. So it's always happening. So you don't have to decide, oh, well, this month, I don't know if we can. It just happens. That's just so important. And that's it's taken us a while to get to that point. Yeah. Another tip that we have, reward credit cards. So this can be difficult because some people have hard and um, challenging relationships with credit cards. I know a lot of people, you know, owe a ton of money on credit cards and that's a real issue, but we really use rewards to our favor. Yeah, I've gotten to the point where I I love credit cards. Not because I love spending money we don't have, but because I love making money on the money we have to spend. We're in a slightly different situation because, you know, we're able to use reward credit cards for our business. And since we're in the retail business, we spend a lot of money on product. And we can put almost all of that onto rewards credit cards and really rack up points for travel. But even if you don't have a business where you're spending a lot of money that can go on a rewards credit card, even just putting personal bills, like as many bills as you possibly can, you know, putting those on credit cards, that's money you're already going to spend. And then as much as you feel comfortable with your budget categories, your budget spending, putting those on credit cards too, you know, telling yourself, promising yourself that you're going to pay that statement every month. I mean, yeah, the you only cannot like discipline in this area, you have to pay off your credit cards every single month in order to really reap these benefits. And I think this is kind of like the cherry on the top. This is the yeah. situation where you have trained yourself to be disciplined in budgeting. And now you're kind of graduating to the point where you can start to use reward credit cards. Exactly, exactly. And we have our credit card set up so that there's an auto draft from our checking account every month for the full statement balance so that we don't miss payments. We're not charged interest. I mean, you know, as soon as like we miss a payment and we're charged interest on the credit card, it all goes out the window. Like all those benefits of having rewards credit cards are negated if you're paying interest on that balance. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, with the way we manage them, we're able to make them work for us. You know, and and here's another theme. It's like making money work for you instead of being a slave to money. And Mm -hmm. it's like these reward credit cards, they work for us. Like we set the terms, you know, like we're taking advantage of these offers and we're not letting the credit card companies 
pull one over on us. <laughs> right. You know, like we're not playing their games. They're playing our game. We recently, um, to give you guys an example um, about our trip to Costa Rica, I talked about how we used credit card rewards to be able to pay for our flight. Then we paid um, the VRBO with, with our travel savings. And then we use cash for all expendables. One thing that we're doing right now on a personal level is we just opened up a Hilton credit card uh, because we want to be able to stay places for free. We're flying for free. We want to be able to stay there for free. So we're putting all of our extra personal expenses on this Hilton credit card so that we can then rack up points for Hilton stays. Yeah. And, you know, we're not going to pretend like we know, you know, which are the best credit card offers. We and don't. All that we're stuff. not experts here. We're not experts there. And there are so many great, great blogs and Facebook groups and stuff where you can find out, you know, the best travel rewards credit card or cashback credit card. Yeah, we have a friend. They really love doing house projects. So they put all of their points towards Home Depot gift cards. And I think that's awesome because it aligns with their family values. Yeah. So I would say, you know, if this is something you're interested in, do the research. We love being able to fly places like for us that feels like a fantastic reward so we really like our delta sky miles american express credit card because for us getting those sky miles to be able to fly for free is amazing and we haven't had to pay for a flight in years and years but for you it might be different And so I would just say, you know, look into it. Right. This is like the end goal. Are you ready? (laughs) Okay. The next tip, retirement account. I'm going to let Luke talk about this. Yeah. So this felt like a really big step for us when we opened a retirement account for Natalie. I'm fortunate enough, even though I've worked in the nonprofit sector, that really all my jobs have come with a 401k and a employer match. So I've been able to to slowly build up a retirement savings over the past 10 years of working. Natalie, on the other hand, hadn't had that opportunity. And so we finally got to the place, it was last year, where we felt like we're making enough money that you know all our needs are met. We're able to put money into savings. It's time to start a retirement savings account for Natalie. So you know, I did some research and um, ended up opening a, a Roth IRA for her, um, you know, because she's self-employed, you know, we had to do this all on our own. There are definitely financial advisors who can help you out with this. I was able to, to read some books and do some research and open the account ourselves. So we opened, opened a Roth IRA and then set up those auto transfers into that IRA account and, you know, found a good target date retirement fund to invest that money into that we felt comfortable with. And it's kind of a, you know, set it and forget it type target date fund and index fund. And so we set that at 10% of the money Natalie was making from Freckled Hen. That goes into a retirement account every month. And she's slowly building up that retirement savings. Uh, So it's a little extra work if you're self-employed. Or, you know, maybe you're a contract employee and you don't have a 401k from your employer, but, you know, you're the one who's responsible for your future life. And, you know, just think about it as you are providing for the old person you are going to be. Nothing's nothing's granted in life. Hopefully we all make it to a retirement age. It's not guaranteed, but most likely you will. And once you get to that age, you will have wished that you opened 
a retirement account when you're in your 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, interest works for you. Compound interest is an amazing thing. And even if you can only put in $50 a month, I would open that retirement account and start contributing because that interest is only going to work for you. And naturally, if you have an employer who uh, can contribute to your 401k plan, I'm just going to take a minute to encourage you to to max out that match. You know, really take advantage of what your employer is willing to contribute to your 401k. That's really free money. You know, naturally, you have to be at a point where all of your day-to-day needs are met, you know, before you can think about the future. But I would really encourage everyone to to make sure you're you're actively contributing to it's like your financial well-being in the future. You know, just making sure you're taking care of yourself. Yeah, I think that you talking about how when you're thinking about budgeting and finances, you really want to be thinking about the now and also the future. It's really balancing that. We have friends who tend to to put more emphasis on on the future than we do. And we have some friends who really value the now and I'm terrified for their future. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's finding that balance that you're comfortable with. So one book we read last year that really spoke to us in terms of how we view money and how we view budgeting is called I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. I know the title's really cheesy <laughs> if I were to, to see that um, on the bookshelf at a bookstore. I don't think I'd pick it up, but he has really good advice for, you know, A, setting your values and then spending money on things you value, saving money on things that you're willing to scrimp and uh, go lean on. He has good advice for setting up retirement accounts. Uh, but Ramit Sethi, S-E-T-H-I, I Will Teach You to Be Rich, is a book that I would I would really recommend. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening in today. Um, it's been such a treat to really dive deep into just this topic and what we've learned over the past 10 years and what we want to do in the future. Um, if you guys have any questions at all, feel free to connect with us through email or send us a note on Instagram. Um, I'm at Natalie Creates and Luke is at Luke Free Person. Um, and of course, if you've liked what you've heard today, please leave a review and share this podcast on Instagram. Simply take a screenshot, share on stories and tag me at Natalie Creates so I can thank you. Luke, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course, it was a blast. Love talking about this. All right, y'all have a great day. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. To stay up to date on all things Natalie Creates, sign up for my newsletter at nataliecreates.com or follow me on Instagram at nataliecreates. This episode is sponsored by Freckled Hen Farmhouse, a modern day general store filled with thoughtful home goods, gifts, and seasonal decor that encourages everyone to live fully and give generously. You can visit the brick and mortar store at 840 North College Avenue in beautiful Fayetteville, Arkansas, or shop with Freckled Hen online at freckledhenfarmhouse.com. Use code NCPODCAST15 at checkout to receive 15% off your purchase at freckledhenfarmhouse.com. Don't forget, If you like what you've heard today, please, please, please leave a review and share this podcast on Instagram. Simply take a screenshot, share on stories and tag me at Natalie Creates so I can thank you for your support. Thanks, y'all. Let's talk soon.